0: Welcome to the center of the universe and the home of the 18-time Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts. This is the X's and Argos podcast with Ben Grant and JB. Welcome to the X's and Argos podcast. It is the free agency special. Ben Grant joined as always by JB. We're happy to be back. We're enjoying our off-season as I'm sure you are as well. But we're happy to be back for the free agency special, the When the Dust Settles special. And JB, I feel like the dust has at least for the time being settled. I think the roster is now largely built. There are going to be some more additions, I'm sure, some more signings. But for the most part, I think this is what we're going to war with. And so let's go back through some of the things that have happened since we last spoke. uh, And since we last uh, recorded a podcast, it was a week after Grey Cup. We said on that episode, we, we warned everybody on that episode and said there are going to be losses because it was inevitable for a couple of reasons. And maybe, JB, before I turn it over to you, I just want to outline why losses had to happen. And I, the, the biggest thing, in terms of players at least, is that this was a double cohort of rookie classes and free agent classes because of the pandemic, because of that lost season, you had essentially two whole years of signings all come up for contract this offseason. And because of the nature of the last two years for the Argos, where you had a Grey Cup win, and then a historic 16-2 season, all of those guys are going to be in demand. All of those guys are going to be sought after by every other team in the CFL. And so, hanging on to everybody as much as the Argos, I'm sure they would have loved to. There's just no way. It wasn't possible. It was so impossible, in fact, that Saskatchewan, who everyone said all the defensive players are going to go sign in Saskatchewan, they didn't sign a single defensive player. They couldn't because there just isn't that much money to go around. These guys were costing a lot of money. And you had the Argos uh, front office who brought in all these guys who were playing on league minimum deals suddenly getting... 150, 175, $200,000 offers and there's just no way in a salary cap system to keep all of those guys and and that goes for the coaching staff too. You don't see successful teams get to retain everybody very often. It happened last year, but that was an anomaly. And so we weren't surprised to see coach Mays go. We weren't surprised to see a lot of Toronto's big names sign elsewhere, but uh, that's just the nature of being a successful team, is it not?
1: Yeah, last year was uh, an embarrassment of riches to have a team. That's why they won so many games. They were incredibly deep, stacked at every position. Um, Players who were going to get huge paydays playing out their contract. It it was a team built to dominate and to win the championship and uh, came up short. And, uh, you know, but thankfully the people in charge um, are really clever. And it's really, <laughs> as, as somebody who, is, who cheers for teams in Toronto where I sometimes question what's happening, uh, I have to say I have a lot of confidence in in the personnel group uh, and how they, how they tackled it because um, they
0: did not try to hang on and run it back, which was really smart. I agree. And that's the thing, and I think, and I hope fans understand this because it's it's hard like from a fan perspective the Argonauts lost some of probably some of your favorite players right you see AJ Ouellette go to Saskatchewan you see Darius Pickett go to Ottawa you see three four guys go down the road to Hamilton Jamal Peters was a fan favorite Hendricks um was it was a fan favorite there there's so many guys that people loved bought jerseys of uh, that are no longer here and that that part's tough and i'm and i'm not saying that you shouldn't be upset about that you you should i get that I, I totally get that but from a football perspective this front office did a phenomenal job because they outlined the things that they absolutely needed to keep and and they kept those and we'll get into some of those specifics and and how the team will go forward and 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 at the end of the day no this team is not going to be as good as last year's team but No team or sorry, one other team in history was as good as last year's team from a record standpoint. That was that was a highly unusual group. Like you said, JB, like that's not that was not a normal team last year. You could have you could have fielded an entire backup roster for the Argos last year and they would have made the playoffs and maybe made some noise. But that's the nature of that's the nature of when you have a team like that and the contracts are all up. Uh, You may not see another team like that again for a long time. But the Argos kept the most important pieces. All right, JB, let's start with the, let's start with the coaches, because we, we thought, we weren't sure, because you never know how the, the cards are going to fall. But we thought there's a pretty good chance that Coach Mace would be heading somewhere. I think you called Saskatchewan actually, I, I, like, early. I, I believe I called it as Mason Pierce was intercepting the ball. The actual moment, I remember that so clearly, (laughs) because Mason Pierce picked off a pass late in the Toronto at Saskatchewan game, and that basically sealed the win. It was a huge comeback win for the Argonauts that, that basically knocked the Riders out of the playoffs, and you said at that moment that play is why Corey Mace is now going to be the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And yep. so I, I, don't it, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it, I don't know how differently it goes, but probably, because again, if Saskatchewan wins that game, they make the playoffs. Yeah. It, if, they, that... if they
1: make the playoffs, they run it back for another year. I really, I really think they do. And, um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those sliding doors. I I don't know if there is another position immediately, Available where maybe coach comes back for one more season.
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a such a weird thing. So um, so it's so you're saying it's all Mason Pierce's fault, uh, for, well, for being know, too good. I mean, <laughs> it, you know,
1: it was it. You know, I I would say it's coach's fault for having put him in that position. I would say <laughs> coach did exactly what he needed to do to get himself a head coach job.
0: Yeah, and he, he earned it. He absolutely earned it. He, I think he'll be a really good head coach. Guys love playing for him. Uh, he's got a very modern look at the game. The stuff that he did, I, I think, I'm hoping that the Argos don't abandon that style, because I think that, I, I think it's something that you can repeat. They've got most of their staff in place still, uh, most of their coaching staff in place. So they, they lose uh, Coach Bell, obviously. But uh, I what I took away from Mace's defense, which I, I think they're going to love watching in Saskatchewan, was the idea of pressure coming out of absolutely anywhere like you never knew when it was going to come you didn't know where it was going to come from they were so good at disguising it and he used his players in such a way where they could kind of play any position too it was uh, not unusual to see uh, a linebacker or especially a sandbacker suddenly back deep in in deep third or deep half deep middle coverage Um, they would roll coverage around and so quarterbacks uh, we're constantly confused. And so that's something I'd love to see the Argos continue doing and something I think will become sort of a staple of how Coach Mace's defenses are. And to help him with that, having Coach Bell is is also huge for them, but a loss for the Toronto Argonauts. Coach Bell is he's gotta be he's gotta be one of your favorite coaches to watch, certainly at practice, if not during games too.
1: Yeah, no, I love his you know, I love his energy and I love the, you know, the electricity and the juice and the way um you know the way he prepares the secondary and the way the secondary fly around the field i think all of that you know all of that energy is is what was an identity for the argos what i think what will be challenging is coming up with a new identity and it can be really difficult to to come in and try and do something very different when the guys who were there had success with the previous uh, defensive philosophy. So that that that's not an easy transition. I mean, I, that's one to keep an eye on. I think coming in as a coach, depending on how much you're looking to come up with new things, it can be really, you know, it can be hard to get people to buy into a new philosophy when they know the old philosophy worked.
0: And that's why I think it probably won't shift too much. And on that note, maybe we can shift to talking about the new coaches on the Argonauts. Bringing back former players is, is really cool. Uh, Demetrius Maxi uh, doing the the D-line and uh, Dominic Picard with the running backs and a yet-to-be-named defensive coordinator, we assume, unless <laughs> there's going to be a by-committee approach. But the thing is, like, I was actually pretty concerned about this, uh, I don't know, like three or four weeks ago. I thought, oh, it's getting so late, you gotta you got to put someone in. Because my thought was, you're not going to be able to draw free agents without having a defensive coordinator. It's even it, it's weird to assign a staff. But what that tells me is they know what's going on there. If you're if you're hiring positional coaches on the defensive side of the ball and you're confidently bringing in free agents who are also confidently signing with you and not just anybody, some some big names, some high profile guys that have been brought in, that's not happening if there isn't a clear plan in picture. So again just like everything else with with Pinball and Company, you just have to put faith in the fact that they they know what they're doing. They've proven that for every season since the pandemic. And so at some point, that will become clear. That doesn't mean it's not something that you should worry about. I I think it's still worth monitoring. You're replacing two excellent coaches and potentially a a system, an excellent system. And so that does need to be monitored. But I I wouldn't say that I have serious concerns about it at all.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm not that far down the road. Uh, I, I do have faith, um, but uh, it it is worrying that now, like if they have somebody on the hook and they're just waiting for something to clear. I think that's great. If they haven't decided who the defensive coordinator is yet, um, I, I am a little concerned about that. I, I would, I I wouldn't say that I'm I'm all the way in on that. I I do love some of the moves, and we'll talk about it. But if there's an area that that I'm concerned about it is the uh, the current absence of an Argos defensive coordinator.
0: And I, I get that. But like you you sort of said, um, you weren't sure if, if they'd made a decision on that. I'm sure they have. Like, I, I just don't think there's any way they haven't known. Like for the last couple of months, they're like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I just don't see that being, they, they haven't operated like that at all. It's always been with, confidence with certainty and so I can only assume that the delay in an announcement has a reason and so at some point that'll become clear I I don't know what that might be but it's really not something I'm I'm worried about anymore I think again like these these players aren't signing if there's not a, a plan they're not coming to Toronto if there's not a plan Bill Belichick still doesn't have a job I know, I know. I don't. I don't think that's the plan. Uh, and I'm not even. I. I don't even know that. I, I don't think right. I, I want any part of that uh, right. circus um, with uh, with Bill Belichick. But no, I don't think that's what's happening. Right. Um, the, the you know, I, I know um, there have been a lot of theories, and I think the best thing is let's just wait it out. And uh, soon, I'm sure all will be revealed. JB, I think the three most important things in building a CFL team, a successful CFL team, are the three things that the Argos clearly prioritized this offseason. And that is quarterback, offensive line, Canadian talent. Like for me, you look at that Grey Cup team, you look at last year's team. Yes, there were certainly stars that didn't fit into those categories. Darius Pickett was a star, there's no question. Uh, you have stars that are receivers, Coxy, uh, Daniels making big plays. Uh, winning games, A.J. Ouellette, uh being a star, no question, they are. But those aren't the guys that consistently win for you in the CFL. It comes down to quarterbacks, O-line, and your Canadian depth, your Canadian talent. And so when you look at the guys that they were really quick to act on, it's those guys. So back, oh, going all the way back to September, they lock up Chad Kelly. He signs an extension through, I think he's through the end of 2026. And then every single member of the O-line was either brought back or extended. So they signed Cage to, uh, to a one-year extension, and then they signed Hunter to a three-year extension or two-year extension. They bring back Allen for, uh, no, Hunter's three years, Allen's two years, Nacastro is back for three years, Sirocco signs for three years. They, they bring back the entire line. This was without question the best offensive line in the CFL last year, they, were, they, they had like half the number of sacks allowed by the, the next best team. And we saw how well they ran the ball. Not just AJ Olette, you had Dan Adeboboye running for seven yards a carry. They moved bodies around. And so you've got those two groups back and then they went about taking care of the Canadian talent. And, and I would suggest that they may have more Canadian talent this year than they did last year. And last year's was uh, just, uh, it, it was almost embarrassing how much Canadian talent they had compared to other teams. But bringing in guys like Tunde Adelike and other guys that we'll talk about, like this is, this is a powerhouse Canadian talent group. And so are, would you agree with me that those three staples above all else is what you've got to take care of most before you address the other positions?
1: Well, I think that's just smart personnel, right? I think especially in Canadian football, like it's such a, you know, for, for football fans who who sort of are just general football fans, there's such an aspect that you don't have to think about. And I agree. The Canadian talent on the team uh, is really good. Like they have incredible flexibility. They are not tied into well this guy's going to have to start every game or we're going to have to make do with this guy like they they have moves they can make because they have more Canadians who can play football than they need and you know like that that is not always the case
0: so let's go through some of the some of the big moves that were made some of the signings how guys might be replaced where we sort of see potential problems, concerns, maybe we can go through positional groups by by level of concern. But I think it all started with the trade Curly Gittins Jr. for Jake Serezna. So Serezna coming from the Edmonton Elks, he's he was listed often on their depth chart as an end. Uh, he's, he's a little bit of a hybrid lineman. You can kind of do whatever with him. He can play that end spot, but he was lined up inside a lot too. And I, I see the Argos as lining him up inside. They've got just so much, so much talent on the defensive end spot that you have to see him kind of being pushed inside, at least most of the time. But he allows you to twist and do all sorts of stuff like that. Some of the criticism I heard about this trade is that you're not getting a Canadian back. So you're trading away a good Canadian receiver. Curly Gaines Jr. was one of the best Canadian receivers going back two seasons. Didn't quite have that same level last year, and then he got injured uh, in September and, and wasn't able to come back from that. Are you... Are you happy with that trade for an all-star defensive lineman, even though he's not Canadian? Yeah,
1: I, I think it's, I think it's a, a terrific trade. I think that it it didn't, I'm sure. They wanted to keep Hendricks, um, but Hamilton was, was keen to sign everybody uh, who wore a blue shirt. So they probably knew that that was going to be an issue. It, I think it's just smart personnel coverage. Um, you know sometimes quarterbacks and wide receivers just don't gel and it, it just didn't seem to gel with with Kelly uh and you know i think from a canadian wide receiver position it, it of course it is a little weakness but we have one we have players who can who can be fine but we've added uh, a defensive line star I, i'm i'm okay with that trade all day i, I don't i don't think it radically affects what they're going to do offensively. And I think it does give us a real... Well, I mean, it basically takes away any of the sting of Hendricks leaving.
0: And I think a couple of things on that. This is one of those rare trades where I feel like both teams win because you've got McLeod Bethel-Thompson who's going to be quarterbacking in Edmonton right. and he's Who got his guy, right? Yeah. yeah, he and Curly were were just like this. And so yeah. that, that don't, works don't for Don't think them. those two facts are unrelated. I know, I know. It's all That's all tied together, of course. And yeah. and tying in the Hendrix thing too. This is the management, again, seeing into the future a little bit and saying, look, if we lock this up, if we make this deal, we have Ceresna in place then. Now that means we don't have to necessarily break the bank to keep everybody because we've got a little bit of wiggle room, we've got some flexibility. And, and then, you know, when Hamilton's offering a lot of money, you have the option, you don't have to match and that can give you, um, an opportunity to spend elsewhere. So I thought that was, that was a really, I wasn't expecting that deal to start, to start, uh, the off season, but, uh, it was, I think a, a pretty shrewd move from both clubs and it set off, set in motion, uh, a lot of really intelligent moves from the Argos front office. So let's go through some of the some of the guys maybe let's talk about who they brought back cuz I think there's an impression that the Argos did not bring anybody back. They lost everybody and that's it's just not the case. Like they lost some big names, but for the most part this team is back. You look at the offense, AJ Oled is gone. Everybody else on the offense is is basically back. There's that one spot, there's the Cam Phillips spot, the the our receiver. Uh, they've got a bit of a, a hole there, but that was a bit of a rotation anyway. They didn't really settle on on who that guy was all season. So they brought in a ton of Americans to to play into that spot. But here's who they brought back. So Dejan Brissett is back, Isaiah Cage, uh, Maurice Carnell, Jack Kassar, Darius Sorako, Demonte Coxie, Dylan Giffen, uh, Harlemano is back, Harry, uh, Jonathan Jones, uh, who's going to have a much bigger role this year, uh, Benoit Marion, a to McManus, that was a huge, huge signing. I want to talk about that a bit more later too. Uh, Tommy Neild, who really came into his own and and he, he kind of made people, that, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but he sort of made people forget about the loss of Curly Gittins Jr. because Neild was playing so well, they were getting way more production out of him than they had from Curly in the Chad Kelly era. Uh, and then uh, they brought back uh, Sandani, who we saw at the end of last season and played really well. And then CN Power, uh, Sean Oakman, was brought back, too. So that's that's a ton of guys that they retained, not just the guys who weren't up for free agency, but those guys were, and they brought all of them back. And so we talk about maybe some of the losses and how we might replace them. Well, let's let's look at, at where the losses were. So on the defensive line, we talked about Hendricks already. You lose Hendricks to Hamilton. They also lost Barlow to Hamilton. And... I feel like Barlow might be one of those guys that a couple of years down the road, you're like, man, uh, I wish the Argos had found a way to keep him because in limited action, he was the second on the team in sacks for Toronto. And he he didn't have nearly the number of snaps that anyone else in that D-line had. He just knew how to take advantage of his his opportunities. And so he could be a guy who given full chance to start and to play in Hamilton, maybe if he's on that, that uh, sack leaderboard, maybe that's one where Toronto's like, man, I wish we'd Wish we'd found a way to keep him, but they're signing him based on potential, and that wasn't really a luxury that that the Argos had. Um, so those are the two guys on on the D line that were lost. We talked about Gittens already. Uh, on the O line, uh, Darius Blayduk ends up in Ottawa a player that didn't play all of last season. I love Bledek. He's Bladeck is uh, an excellent lineman, an excellent guard, pretty flexible too. He can play around on that line. He could play some center for you in a pinch. He can play left side, right side. So that is a loss to Ottawa, but it's not a loss from, like, if he's healthy this year, I, I don't even know, I, I'm not sure... I'm not sure they change anything up anyway. So that seemed inevitable. And then uh, Trevion Tate ends up going to Calgary, uh, and he's going to get a chance to start there instead of backing up Isaiah Cage in Toronto. That made sense for him, for Calgary. And Toronto, obviously, is not going to match the contract of a starter for someone that was going to be a projected backup. Uh, and then we got the defensive backs, and that's a bit bigger. You've got Adarius Pickett going to Ottawa and Jamal Peters going to Hamilton. And then it's A.J. Olet to Saskatchewan, Javon Leak to Edmonton, and Boris Beattie to Edmonton as well. The Elks and the Ticats taking uh, a few guys. So on that list, JB, who are the who are the guys that are most difficult to replace of the guys that were lost?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it in the in our final pod. I think, to me, Pickett was the only one that I was disappointed that they couldn't find a way to bring back, although... Obviously, that's a big ticket item, and probably you wouldn't be able. You had to choose between him and McManus, uh, but just on a gut level, losing Pickett um, was huge because of how flexible and what he brought to that defense, and and really how he he was the defensive player of the year. Um, he, so that that's a huge loss. There's no two ways about it. The defense will not be as fast or as flexible as it was, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to take a hit there. So I was, but you know, but then I know that, but if I had to choose, I would have taken McManus. So it would, so I, I do agree with the call. I, so I'm, I'm just more, it's more sports radio mad than logical mad
0: yeah and I feel that too. It's the same thing like you you could only afford one of the two and i I just think yeah McManus and the stuff that that he's been able to do it it's so it's almost a coin flip though for me, but yeah, I love McManus and i I think that's probably slightly more difficult to get because what McManus brings you is linebacker flexibility. He, he he's always listed as the will, but he's not really a will. Like he played a lot of Mac last year and they moved him all around the field. So sometimes he was at that will spot. But when they had Jordan Williams and they had all that uh, movement around, Jordan Williams, another guy that was, of course, lost. Although that was, um, that was a trade, that was an early trade. Um, but they were able to move McManus wherever. And so I kind of, I'm thinking of him as the middle linebacker, even though I think he's going to be listed all season long as, as the will backer. I think you're going to see him line up in the middle a lot because I think, I think Jones probably is better suited to being a will, but I think they'll keep it like that on the depth chart where you have, uh, where you have McManus playing well and you have Jones probably listed as the Mac.
1: What do you, what do you think when I look at the depth chart, if I had a position of concern is the wide receiver
0: uh what 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 how do you feel about the wide receiver group heading into the season? Yeah I, I I don't know and so uh, like I've been fiddling around with the depth chart and I'm not 100 percent happy with it but uh, I'll bring it up on the screen there if, so if you're watching on YouTube you can see it and I'll'll make sure that it's out on our social media accounts so you can you can bring it up to accompany you in the podcast if you want to take a look at at the, this depth chart and what we're looking at. Receiver is interesting because for me, it's basically everybody's back, but that one position. So at the X position, you've got DeMonte Coxie, and at the W, you've got DeVaris Daniels. So the boundary side is the same as last season. On the field side, it's two of the three of Ungerer, Nealde, Brissette. So two of those three guys are going to end up starting. I think it's probably Ungerer out wide, Neeld inside, and Brissette getting a lot of time in there too. They played a lot with, with three Canadian receiver sets, especially late in the year. So that side of it's okay. That one position, the R receiver, that's where there is a blank because that was kind of Cam Phillips' spot and uh, he hasn't been brought back. Now, he, he could be, he's still a free agent, But they've brought a a ton of Americans and essentially you have like like a a double digit number of American receivers who really are all competing for that one free spot. And there's some real talent in there. Jeff Bedet from uh, of of, uh, XFL fame was uh, doing some amazing things south of the border. He's a really talented receiver uh bird coming in is also really exciting not 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 bj bird we've got multiple birds now on the team uh jordan bird uh who's a really exciting uh guy and the way i put up this, this depth chart i sort of put into that spot the shiftier guys so we've got malone River, those for me, like that's, I, th- I think that's what I want in that position to go along with some of the big bodies you've got elsewhere. They like can put Neeld and Brissett, those big bodies out there, Coxie, Daniels, all big receivers. And I think that other spot you can use for your your faster guys. And so I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I, I know one of those guys will come to the top because there's, you can you can find American receivers. You can always find American receivers. It's not always a hit on your first guy that you bring in. You might have to bring in a bunch, but they have. They brought in a ton of guys and they're only looking for one spot. One of these guys will hit and be sensational. And so I'm not worried about that. I don't really worry about DB that way too. Like you can find American DBs. There's so many, like every year, 300 D1 DBs come out of college football that don't have an NFL job. And the same can be said for receivers. They're all over the place. So it's just about bringing in the right ones that are going to work with your system, that are willing to, um, to go through the grind and everything else. And, and once the dust settles, I think you'll find one of those guys has uh, set himself apart from everybody else. So I'm not worried about the receiver position. You know, what about you? When you look at this, like where are your concerns?
1: Uh, I mean, defensive back is thin. I I think the starters are great. I think it 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 drops off. We I mean again we had such luxury last year, so I I do I, you know hopefully we can see a couple guys in camp kind of really step up, because um, it's going to be tough to make it all the way through the season, with the starting defensive backs. so I think I think they are in trouble once you get past the starters. Uh, defensive line I think looks terrific. Yeah. Um, you know, linebacker is, is thin as well. I think DB and linebacker, those were the two hits they took in the off season in depth um, where the starter you know, like starters are good. I mean, if you roll those guys out, I'm really happy with this team. I think this is a very good team, but um,
0: I think it goes from being a very good team to not that good a team in a hurry. Yeah. DB is the one place like my depth chart that, that you're looking at here. It's, I'm not that confident with the DBs. I actually wrestled with this. This, I had like seven different versions of this because in my mind, McFadden is going to start at one of the corner spots. I'm not sure if they're confident in him as the boundary corner, if they want him on the field side. And I didn't really have an answer at the other corner spot. I put Maurice Carnell there uh, because I know he can play corner. I'm not sure that's what they're going to end up doing. I know like Mason Pierce can play corner. That's what he played at at, uh, Colorado School of Mines. He's very good there, very fast. But the thing that I struggled with is I feel like you've got three guys that need to be on the field, and I couldn't really find a way to put them all on the field. And so that's Royce Mechie, who's returning safety, excellent safety. Uh, Quincy Moje, who is coming over from BC, also an excellent safety, can play the Sam spot, but so can Mechie. And then Tunde Adelike, a guy that they brought in from Hamilton, another DB I love, and, you know, he he actually can play that halfback spot. He played a little bit of that at Carlton. But I, I'm not, I didn't love what he did as a halfback when he was put in that position last year in Hamilton. Uh, he also can play Sam if need be. So you kind of got those three guys and I didn't really know what to do with them. And I didn't really want them at that halfback spot. So what I ended up settling on is, look, on in first down situations, you got your four-man line. You go with your your regular uh, five DB set or six if you're including Sam. And then on second and long, like the Argos did so much last year, what you can do when you've got guys like Oakman and, and Cerezna in the middle, you can send three, you can rush three, you bring in an extra DB instead, and that's where Adelike is now getting on the field. And so you have Adelake, Meche, Moje on the field all together. Um, doing their thing. So to me, that's probably the way I'd handle it. And then you've still got Pierce, who was awesome last year, and, and, and Amos, who um, is, is also outstanding. So it, it's not a. am not really worried about it. I just don't know what to do with it yet. And I think once we get to camp, we'll see what the plan is, uh, because I'm sure they have some ideas as to what exactly they, they want to do on the field with this group.
1: Yeah, it, it's not as good as last year, but it's not, uh, it's not a problem. Um, you know, I, I I think it'll be really interesting to see. You know, it, it it's going to be a t- like as a team it'll, it'll be different, right? I don't think it's quite going to be the lockdown that that Chad was given in his first year. So I think that's going to be a little bit different pressure on him because I don't think it's it, it's not as good a team. I mean, that's just I think that's an, a pretty objective. Argument um so it won't be you know we'll take six or seven shots at it because we'll keep them at zero until we get the engine going um so that's that's an interesting component too, I think, for Chad heading into this year.
0: And just look at the linebacker spot is because you pointed out is a, a bit thin. Actually, I'm not sure. Like Millie Clements, I think from Winnipeg is is OK. So um, like I, I don't really worry about him starting. If, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's quite a... I know it doesn't sound like a, an endorsement, but I mean like... a compliment. I, but so if he has to come in as... A long pause is, is
1: OK. All right, well, then I, I stand corrected.
0: No, I mean, like compared to Wyndham McManus, they're not the same guy. But Clements is perfectly fine in there if he had to start a few <laughs> games. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't worry about it. It's not a position of concern. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, and after that, it's pretty much all the guys that were backing up last year. So it's, it's not really, I don't uh, see it as well, that. Well, to some
1: extent, I mean, uh, Jones is moving up to starter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but I don't feel like he's out of place there. I, I think no, he, no, no, proved no, I he agree. He could be a starter. Um,
1: no, I agree. I, I just think. Yeah, I mean it I I would just say like I would love to see one more guy in the in the linebacker room who I felt could be a full-time starter, but that's that's obviously a luxury.
0: And there are there are still five guys that are unsigned that are still out there who could come back. So you got Robertson Daniel who I think now if Robertson Daniel were to come back, that would make it a bit more clear for me in terms of what I would do because I'd probably put Robertson Daniel at that Sam spot, yeah. I, and it would mean suddenly you've got a tremendous amount of depth somewhere. Or uh, to be honest, he could actually play a corner as well. So yeah, that's it, huge. I mean, I hope I hope he's up for it. That would be. I think that would
1: really solidify. Uh, he's one of those like lock in positions that would suddenly make
0: everything work. Yeah, and Robert Priester's another guy I would love to see come back. Shane Richards yeah. on the O line, like he, he was. Yeah, remember, like last season, preseason until he he was injured, he was playing so well. They had him out at that tackle spot too. Twisted his ankle in that preseason game, and that was you know, that was just uh, such a, a turning point. And then Tiggy Sanko, I I don't know if Tiggy's going to end up coming back because they've got so much global talent on the roster now. Uh, like you know, bringing in, in Hanson and there's there's so many different ways they can go for global talent. That's really not an issue for them. So I'm not sure we see. We see Sanco back, but um, those guys are still out there. JB, before we get to our next segment, I, I've been asked to, to explain because I've been pretty, I've been pretty adamant on both the uh, the radio shows that I've gone on and on uh, on Twitter as well that the Argos will be okay not having AJ let. and a lot of people want a, a full explanation as to why I think that because they saw what a difference maker he appeared to be last season. And so I I know you can add in when I'm maybe done my, I don't, this is not really a rant, but when I'm done this little segment, you can add on to this because I think you and I are of similar beliefs, but not exactly. And so let me explain to you why I think it's going to be okay without AJ Olette. So first of all, um, a lot of people that believe the way I do um, about the running back position often are... are, um, mislabeled a little bit they they're called people that believe running backs don't matter and that's not what i mean by this i'm not saying running backs don't matter i think at in high school the running back is maybe the most important position if you have a dominant running back in a high school football team that single player can elevate your entire team and win championships for you in college you still see it as well even d1 if you have an elite running back there are guys on, that, on the other side of the field that just are unable to, to tackle him. And you can, you can set it up. You can use your X's and O's to isolate guys. You can find a way to make sure that running back wins you football games. So in high school, you might have like six or seven guys on defense that simply cannot tackle your guy. In college, there's two or three guys on defense who cannot stay with this running back. In the pros, it's a whole different thing everybody is capable of bringing down everybody else. Everybody on the defensive side of the ball is elite. And if you look at the CFL running backs, all of those guys are elite athletes. They are among the best athletes in the league. That's not at all what I'm saying. You look at AJ Ollette. you look at Brady Oliveira, uh, you look at Kadeem Carey, like these are outstanding, outstanding athletes. And they can do amazing things that nobody else can do. And so when people say like running back doesn't matter, they're not saying like, if I was playing running back for the Argos last year, the Argos would have lost pretty much every game because it does matter to that extent. What running back doesn't matter means is the difference between these professional level running backs, these those nine starting running backs, those nine elite talents, the difference between them isn't that great and the difference that there may be because I do think AJ Olette is a better running back than most of the other backs in the league but that difference isn't enough to account for the difference in wins and losses it is between him and me but it's not between him and the next guy up on a CFL roster and so those aren't. That's not why you're. That's not why you're winning or losing football games. Um, the stuff that's going to happen on the football field, there will be no difference between A.J. Olet and Kadim Carey and Dan Adababoye. They're fantastic athletes. Those guys are elite. They are amazing running backs. They're going to do everything that every other CFL great CFL running back does. It's the line that is really going to allow them to do it. And so again, it's not the position. Doesn't matter. It's that when they're all that good. The differences between them are really small, and yeah,
1: I, th- I think. Sorry, go I on. mean, I think the fantasy mindset for those. I mean, most people are involved in fantasy, makes it kind of easier to understand, right? That that the difference between the best running back and the worst running back is just minute, as opposed to the best quarterback and the worst quarterback, where you have a significant difference. So therefore, running backs are largely interchangeable.
0: Yeah, and to look at it, too, from a championship standpoint, like you look at some of the best running backs of all time and the teams they played for, like my, my two favorite running backs of all time in the NFL, Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson, each had one playoff win in their career. You look at Super Bowl winners. Uh, is it because of their their running back? Is it because of their their ground game? Again, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. It does matter, and these are all elite elite athletes. But to work to think that AJ Ouellette leaving to be replaced by Dan Adeboboye and Kadim Carey is a disaster is is simply not true. Like Dan Adeboboye is a fantastic running back. Kadim Carey has proven it. And he's a veteran who's coming in with experience where it does matter. And the one, the one place where I think, and I think Toronto's okay here, it really matters in terms of pass protection, especially in the CFL. AJ OLED is very good at that. He's a great pass protector, but so is Kadim Carey, Dan Adeboboye. I wasn't sure about it coming out of Bryant, but you could see last year in practices and in the limited opportunities he had in games, his pass protection has improved significantly. And I have no concerns there at all. So, those guys are going to be great, catching the ball out of the backfield, pass protecting, doing all those things. The one area I am still wondering about is the energy, because you've talked about AJ Ouellette's energy. You've talked about how he's able to hype up the team and just sort of get them get them into the right state of mind. Are you worried about that being maybe a void and that being something that <laughs> yeah. is harder to replace?
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly. When I, you know, I wanted to sort of addendum to the interchangeable argument is... There's no doubt that that a team is more than just the collection of talent. That that some teams gel and some teams don't, and some teams you know are have a, have an identity, and some teams just never develop one, and they're not able to get it together. Um, you know, I I thought Hamilton was incredibly talented last year on paper, but for whatever reason, that team just. Uh, well, I mean, there were some reasons for him from the quarterback, but but you know, as a team, they just were never able to kind of get on the same page and have the same energy. Um, so I I do think that's a legitimate concern when you when you take somebody who was kind of the heart of the offense um, in a lot of ways, in terms of the the edge that that he brought and the physicality that he brought and his commitment to winning. Uh, I don't think that can be underestimated. You know, I think those are big. I don't expect uh, you know Carrie to come in and and be, you know, Thor. He's gonna do his own thing. But, um, yeah, I, that is that is a loss. I, I I I don't I don't I don't think you can get past it. It it is even though we're being quite positive. I don't. It's not a disastrous, you know, Titanic hitting an iceberg loss. Um, you know, but I think from the coaching perspective, in terms of the offense having an identity and uh, uh, an edge, that's something they're going to have to look to in terms of,, you know, it'll be more on Chad to be the the identity creator of the offense.
0: Yeah, and that's where I was going to go. Is that this is Chad Kelly's opportunity to now step up? He was he was a good leader last year, but now this is like he's the guy on it offense. It is
1: it is now his team, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and so and and I think he's poised to do that. Like he has shown great leadership, uh, not only not only here, but that that's never something that he had issues with in terms of rallying the troops and, and getting guys inspired to play. He's great at that. And so I do expect him to take a, a step up, especially with, with AJ not in the room. Cause, cause that's, that's his role. That's his job as the quarterback. Now he's, he's, he's the king and uh, and he's going to run that offense and be the face of it, be the face of the team. And so that leadership void has to be filled by Chad Kelly. And I expect that's not going to be a problem for him.
1: No, no, no. I, I. Well, I mean, are we, are we, are we having the Chad Kelly conversation now?
0: Or, well, um I don't think there's much to. I don't, I don't know if there's much to talk about with him. Like he's, he's committed. He's, he's <laughs> well, here. I think well, I mean, are you talking about the East Final?
1: Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I would still like to talk about the house dipper down that I used to live
0: in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, uh, to me, like I'm kind of putting that in the past. <laughs> uh cuz it's an anomaly it just it you know, like yeah. it was it was weird you know that happens though like you've you've coached in games where you had no business losing to x team or or sometimes no business winning against x team and just somehow everything went wrong for them and right for you and there are games like that and um to me I just chalked it up to it was just one of those weird things where you just had this powerhouse team and for whatever reason the offense just could not do a single thing they'd done all year but you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about Chad Kelly in big games. Like he's played in big games. He's played in front of a hundred thousand people. He's, he's, he's been there and he's won those games. He, he came in and, and finished off the gray cup win for the Argonauts. Like that's, this is not a guy who folds under pressure. Like if he had a history of that, then I might be worried, but I'm
1: interested to see. I mean, I think that it is scar tissue and I think that that is useful for players to have a little bit of that. I think it, it, it helps. It helps create uh, greatness. Um, but it, I am interested to see. I mean, if if I were going to go, you know, training camp questions. Uh, question one to me is 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 Chad and w- where he's at and how really how he is processing that game. I don't think we've quite gotten into that with him in terms of. You know he talked after the game and but really now with the offseason behind
0: him how how does he feel about that game how what does he think about it moving forward and i haven't talked to him about that but i would imagine just sort of knowing the competitor he is he's looking back at that game as the driving force behind everything he does like every every weight he pushes he's remembering that game every rep that he takes um to me just based on how he's wired that game will motivate him until he gets past it this year. And so that's kind of how I see it. Again, not something I'm, I'm particularly worried about. Uh, let's transition to uh, taking a look at uh, some of the new guys that were brought in. Some of the guys we don't know because there's so many new names on this list. There are a couple of guys I'm really excited and intrigued by. And um, some of the guys that are going to have to be looked at to, to fill some of these holes. So um, we haven't really talked about like the loss, of, the loss of Boris Beattie um, is big. We both love Boris Beattie. You had him as one of the guys that you said, the Argos need to resign. And I agreed with you, uh, but I didn't really realize that Haralahu was going to be available. And Liram Haralahu, who is a multi-all-star, a Grey Cup champion with the Argonauts, uh, four years in the NFL, uh, bouncing around, and uh, I think only missed one field goal over that time, hit every extra point, uh, is an outstanding kicker. Uh, the advantage, the reason that position is actually an upgrade in my mind is that he's Canadian. And by Boris Beattie, even though it's ridiculous, and I still have no idea how Beattie's classified as an American, being a man from France who went to school in Canada, but he's an American on your roster. And so to have Haralahu take up a Canadian spot instead of an American spot is huge. He can punt if need be, but obviously they're they're going with Haggerty as the punter. But again, in case of an injury, a hamstring issue, whatever, you know that you have her who, who can do that. And his average is just about the same as Boris Beattie when it comes to punting. The loss is kickoffs. Boris Beattie is the best ever in kickoffs uh, in the CFL. There's there's no one close to Boris Beattie. And that was sort of a weapon in itself. And to me, that's, that's the only loss, but I will take it in exchange for getting that Canadian starter. uh, It's not Canadian starter, sorry, getting the Canadian roster spot um, and fulfilling the Canadian roster requirements. So for me, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the special teams from that way. Um, And you got to feel pretty good about Haralahu in terms of other guys. I didn't see anyone else out there and then suddenly he came in. You're like, oh, okay, well that's, that's going to be okay then.
1: Yeah. Veteran kicker, uh, you know, it, it, I think that's just, that's just good management. I think um, BD was fantastic. He was an amazing, he was in some ways the kind of the face of the turnaround for me. You know, that he brought a professionalism and a skill to his position that was badly needed. And the whole team kind of really changed with him. So I will always kind of think of him fondly as as the a leader of this uh this this era of of Argos, as opposed to the the red black competitor era.
0: And there's nothing like watching him at practice, whether it's like booting field goals out of the stadium or playing corner on the scout team. Like he, he would, he's such a good athlete too. He would sometimes play quarterback uh, for the DBs. Sometimes he'd lined up as a corner on the scout team, and he's like trash talking receivers as he's as he's playing cornerback. Sometimes he's playing inside as like a nose, and still giving the old lineman hard time. They're like, get out of here yeah, for it's, us. It,
1: Again, it's that kind of intangible that you lose that uh, you hope um, you hope can be replaced, but that. That's part of the alchemy of it all. That you know, sometimes, sometimes you can't. So, you know, that's where even though I'm being very positive about the off season, you know, it that there is an aspect of it of you know when you lose these personalities who sort of make
0: the identity of your team, uh, that's not without concern. And Javon Leak going, I know a lot of people were concerned about that. Um, Javon Leak's an excellent returner. There's no question. But to me, and I think you probably are on the same boat, um, especially having done more, a lot more special teams coaching than I have. I believe the return game is far more about the return team than it is about the individual returner. Now, the individual returner still is responsible for it, still gives that return team the confidence to go out there and feel like we're going to bring this back for a touchdown. And it does help them psychologically and get getting their blocks. And they feel like, man, I, I've got leak back there. I better make my block here. But... I think some of the guys that they've brought in, and we have no idea how it's going to work out, but you've got you've got guys like Bird, who are really exciting returners. Scarver's an interesting guy who Scarver tied the NCAA record for kickoff return touchdowns uh, at at seven, uh, which is just a, a phenomenal number. And so a guy like that, I want to see. I know he had a little bit of a chance in Ottawa, but I think he only returned like three punts, and that's not that wasn't really his thing. Uh, I would love to see him back there. McMahon, uh, of course, back another guy I'd like to see. So. Uh, leak there was a mystique about him for sure he's a great returner but i think that they've actually made their special teams unit better bringing in guys like xma like hansen uh, these guys that are going to sort of fill out that special teams unit and bringing guys back like Kassar, who's a special team stud. And we know Adam what he can do out there, too. This, they have so many guys. I actually think there's a chance for this return team to be better than it was last year, even with Leak's uh, historic season. So that's not an area I'm really worried about. I, I assume you're on the same page.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at Montreal and, you know, where they, you know, like most of their team they picked up in September, uh, you know. This is the CFL. These are these are replaceable people.
0: Yeah, and um, are there other guys that stand out to you that you're kind of interested to see in camp? Where there are new Americans that are coming in that we don't know much about, and you start looking yeah, at their... I mean, I,
1: for sure. I, I mean, obviously the wide receiver. I'm I'm really curious to see if they can add somebody twitchy, somebody fast. That that is <laughs> that has been an issue uh, for the Argo wide receiver room and kind of the thing that they're missing. So I would. I would I would love to see. I mean, I'm really curious to watch these guys. Um and 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 to look at the uh you know to look at the defensive line. Like uh, you know, Parrish on the defensive line I think is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um I mean his his measurables are ridiculous.
0: Unbelievable. His, his Unbelievable.
1: Tape, I mean, he it just he is the classic example of a guy who just is not built like the Hulk, so he can't play in the NFL. But his elite athleticism, you know, is it just jumps off the stats. Um, You know, he he goes he goes uh, almost drill for drill with the number three draft pick in the NFL in 2023. Yeah, uh, when you mean the like combine
0: to, numbers, right?
1: Yeah, when you yeah. come to his, his his forty and his his ten split and uh his bench. I mean, I'm really excited about Parrish. I'm I he's gonna be number one on my list of people to see to look at what his first step looks like and um and how how well he handles himself in the you know, as a defensive end, suddenly you're playing in this Olympic swimming pool. Um You know, and so you're not really in a phone booth anymore. So to see how that looks, but he, he, I'm really excited about him as a as a prospect.
0: Yeah, and uh, we're talking about some uh, NFL draft picks, like him from I think it was last year that he was that he was drafted too, wasn't it, or two years ago? Yeah, not
1: not a free, you know, right, seventh round. I mean, that is that is an absolute rubber stamp of. Well, I mean, he 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 looks it. I mean, he he i really think that the he just simply isn't built to be a superhuman which is what you need to be in the defensive line in the NFL i think that that's perfect for the CFL is we will take the mortals and uh you know and and use them effectively
0: well, that's the big like I know on the Three Down podcast they were talking this week just about the difference between CFL NFL guys, and, and what they said is like NFL they have a level. There's just this level of superhumans that that are better than everyone else in the NFL too. But you just don't see guys like that in the CFL. Those superhumans never make it to the CFL. That doesn't that doesn't happen. Those are those are your your Justin Jeffersons and and Jamar Chases and guys like that. Yeah. They're just that. You look at different. NFL linemen. You know they're doing
1: his measurables with 20 extra pounds and like two extra feet. And you're like, okay,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. And then we we don't get those guys, but the other guys that are there, the difference between them and the guys that are here are really small things. Like in the case of Parrish, it's it's arm length. It's a couple inches of arm length. That's basically it. If his arms are two inches longer, he's in the NFL. But that's the nature of, of how the measurables go. And they look at that from his position and say, well, if, if you can't extend, then you can't shed. And if you get if someone gets their arms extended on you, you're just, you know, stuck there swatting at nothing. Um, that's of no use to me. And so they, you know, they try to change guys positions around and try to make them things they're not. Um, and that's why sometimes you see these guys get up here. And another guy, um, uh, you got uh, JJ uh, Whiteside, uh, the receiver, former second round pick, I think. And, you know, he was a Stanford guy. He bounced around the NFL a little bit. He'll be up here. He's an interesting guy to watch, too. So, you know, from receiver to D-line, there's, there's a ton of really interesting guys. Bell's another guy that that I think um, might yeah, be it, a, a really interesting guy, too.
1: You know, selfishly, from from our perspective, like, you know, last year's team was so clearly uh, stacked that even in camp, you know, I mean, obviously, we, we were excited for Stiggers, um, but you know, you you look at, uh, you, you looked at that team, and you're like, you know, it's hard to sort of offer commentary on this monolith. Where I think this year there's going to be more debate, more question marks, more flaws, uh, which is more interesting to me.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and it'll give us more to do in camp because, like you said, last year it was like on day one we're like, well, Qantas Stiggers is really good, like this guy's really interesting to watch. But for everyone else, we're like, I don't know if anyone else has a chance to win a, a spot because we already know who the entire roster is because uh, they brought everybody back from from the Grey Cup except McLeod Bethel Thompson. So um, yeah, that to me that um, to me that is uh, uh, something that will make camp very interesting. Uh, one last thing I, I just want to talk about and looking at this depth chart again. Uh, the Argos made a signing yesterday, uh, bringing Dare Rosenthal, which I actually thought was huge. I want to talk about that briefly because when I started putting this depth chart together, I only had two tackles, Isaiah Cage, Dejon Allen. That was it. I didn't have other tackles on the roster. And yes, Ryan Hunter can play tackle. Yes, Gregor McKellar, uh, Van Dahl was uh, uh, a tackle in, in college, Giffen too. Like those guys have played tackle uh, at a different level. But, Uh, There weren't really, I guess the, if one of them were injured, Cage or Allen, you'd probably have to move Hunter over there. But now bringing in Dare Rosenthal, that makes me feel a lot better. Like this is, this is like, Uh, You know, a a left tackle that's playing with Joe Burrow in that 2019 LSU National Championship team. Like he's he's an outstanding tackle, an outstanding left tackle specifically, but he can play both sides of the ball. Um, He ended up, where he he ended up at, at Kentucky, I think. But yeah, he he can play football. And so him coming in, I thought, was a huge signing because we talked about the guys that you can find and the guys that you can't tackles that's a position you can't find. You can't find quarterbacks. You can't find tackles. And so when you do find one of those guys, you hang on to them. You sign them for as long as you can. And Rosenthal is one of those guys that he's going to take a little bit of time to get up to speed. And you never know with these guys. Sometimes that extra yard in the neutral zone does sort of weird you out and it changes you enough that you have trouble adjusting but assuming he's okay with that i expect him to be a completely capable backup to cage and allen and maybe at some point um even threaten and maybe some point uh really push isaiah cage at that left tackle spot and i think having a competitive roster at a position like that i don't think that's a bad idea either so rosenthal is one of those guys on my list that i'm really interested in and taking a look at too uh, anyone else stand out to you that you're like, yeah, I can't wait to see this guy in camp? Or you, you feel pretty good with the collection that they've got.
1: Well, after after hearing he's okay, I can't wait to see Clement <laughs> yeah. run around.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Clements, you, like we saw him last you, year in you Winnipeg, have lit a
1: fire under me under 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 him, and as the backup linebacker, a- so
0: apologies I'm, I'm excited to, to see him
1: live up to. Uh, to, full, to full what apologies you build, to Malik Commence cuz
0: I know when I the first time I talked to him uh he may ask ask me if if he's okay. Um that is not <laughs> what I meant. Um and so what I mean by it is a guy I'm not worried about bringing in as a starter but he got time like he got a ton of time in in Winnipeg last year and he's he's been a relief. He's he's a player that I think is he's he's Jones. He he's the playing the Jonathan Jones role of last year and I think he's a, a really similar caliber of oh. athlete. So
1: I would say I am interested in Kerry. I think that um, y- you you know it. He he has tread, and sometimes you just see that there it's just not there anymore. So I I am curious to see uh, see what's there because you know you can tell like there just has to be, um, you know there has to be a gear, otherwise sometimes you're like. Yeah, you know, like you get a little sort of Andrew Harris. I'm not saying Andrew Harris of last year is carry, but but you could see how Andrew Harris last year is. It just wasn't the same. So uh, I, I am curious to see him in camp and kind of see
0: where he's at with his uh, you know with his uh, quickness. I, I would like to see a committee approach from from the three, because you have three really different backs. Like yep. if you've got Kerry, Boye uh, and McMahon, all three of those guys, like that gives you a headache as a defense where you're like, wait a second, which which guy's in here? Um, and you've got them all sort of playing interchangeably. They can all run the same plays, but they all run them a little differently. And so I love that. Like you talk about Thunder and Lightning. We got like Thunder, Lightning, and I don't know, Really Cloudy, uh, whatever, whatever the third option of that is. Um, extreme Wind. Um, having three different looks in the backfield, I think like, that's what I would be pushing towards because I don't think you want to, I don't think you want Kerry to be the the bell cow. Um, and I think having those three guys is perfect.
1: And I think, look, that's a great radio call where you're, is it, is it getting cloudy in here? You know, like that, I think that, that, that really sort of captures the excitement of, of the running back coming through.
0: Thunder, lightning, and very cloudy.
1: (laughs) It feels feels like the sun's about to be blocked.
0: This is why you are the nickname guy. And yeah, uh, yeah, I just say things. Uh, Last thing before we get out of here. Three Down Nation had the Toronto Argonauts ranked number one in their first power (laughs) poll of the season, power ranking of the season. The
1: the, the
0: the CFL uh, brought theirs out today and they had the Argos at five. So in a nine team league, one and five is a pretty big gap. JB, where do they belong? Uh, where should they be? Did one of these publications get it right or <laughs> is it somewhere else?
1: Well, I I always raise an eyebrow at anything three down says
0: about the Argonauts, to be to be honest. I'm, I'm part of three down. I was <laughs> in on that poll. I know and, and just so you know, I didn't actually have the Argos first in my response, but obviously it was overwhelming because uh they ended up one. I had the uh, Argos two. Yeah, in mine. I
1: don't I I I I haven't sat down and got one to nine, although uh I did suggest we would, but we i guess we'll have that coming up <laughs> that'll come up um i I don't think no I don't think one i I don't think one I think that there are still question marks um i mean Winnipeg is still a huge pain uh and I think that Hamilton has the potential to to be to be something as the uh the hamilton uh, uh Argo Cats. um <laughs> I I would probably have Toronto, like, four.
0: Four? That seems low to me. Who do you have ahead of
1: them? Maybe three, maybe three. I, I, I don't think, even though intellectually, sort of academically, I admire what the team did and I understand the tough choices that were made. However, you know, the team is not as good as it was last year. The team did lose talent, like, on the whole, the team is, I would say, slightly less talented than than last year. So I think if I had them two last year, uh, you know, I think they'd probably dropped two spots for me.
0: And I think I have them two. And it's just because I want to see what's happening on the defense. Uh, there, there's some questions there. I think the offense will be great. But the defense won a lot of football games for this team last year. And I just need to see it. And it's a little bit like last year where... In our preseason poll, I had the Argos two last year at the beginning of the season because I needed to see Chad Kelly. I wasn't sure. I felt pretty confident, yeah. but I wasn't positive until I saw a few regular season games. And so that's going to be the defense's role this year. Let's see them run a few yeah, games I'm, out there. I'm How changing do they my, look?
1: I, I'll change the three. I think three is reasonable. All
0: right. That's fair. And I know we didn't we didn't plan this segment. But um, yeah, I think after some careful consideration, I can live with your Argos at three. That that makes sense to me. Uh, well, that will just about do it for us on this free. Free agency special. We're not back with our regular weekly podcast for a while. Our next one coming up, we're going to have a pre-draft podcast and then we will have a post-draft reaction podcast. And then shortly after that, we get into our weekly pods where you can count on us twice a week and then once a week on bye weeks Uh, So that is something to look forward to as we start preparing for the draft. I've got a lot of draft work to get into. I like this time of year and it feels like we're getting closer and closer to CFL football. Well, that will just about do it for us on this X's and Argo's podcast, free agency edition for JB. This is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.